0: Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever time you're listening to us. You're tuned in to the Wrestling Fans Insight. I'm your host, John Hoppy, alongside with my brother, William. How's it going today, Will? Super,
1: super tired. Just woke up? Uh, among other things.
0: Yeah, same here, same here. I'm dragging a little bit. Had to go run to the convenience store real quick grab a quick energy drink and breakfast and you know it just kind of was like body doesn't want to wake up but it does
1: i think everybody in the world just had a long week
0: (laughs) i'm sure i'm sure i'm starting to see a consistent reaction amongst everybody online apparently nobody wants to wake up or they do want to wake up they're just dragging but Hey, we're excited to have any of you with us, so thank you for joining in. We'll get right to it. Starting off with Monday Night Raw, we had Bianca Belair defeat Sonya Deville. Not once, not twice, but three times as Deville changed the rules twice during their match. Belair retains the Raw Women's Championship. We go into Veer Mahan defeating some jobber. Apparently, I can't write down who it was. Then we had Bobby Lashley defeating Omas in an arm wrestling match, which I'm not sure why we had something like that. Maybe a filler. At a mixed tag team match with Tamina and Akira Tozawa defeating the team of Reggie and Dana Brooke, Damian Priest defeats Finn Balor, Mustafa Ali makes his WWE in-ring return and defeats The Miz thanks to... Austin Theory, well, I'm sorry, Theory, putting Miz in the match. And in the main event, we had the eight-man tag, where we saw the team of RK Bro, Cody Rhodes, and Ezekiel defeating the team of the Usos, Seth freaking Rollins, and Kevin Owens. So going into our overall takes, this Monday Night Raw, I felt, was three weeks late. Why? Because it was one of the best Raws I've seen, maybe since... Revival made their main roster debut on SmackDown when New Day was looking for any team to come challenge them.
1: For me, what was great about this was seeing those returns.
0: Right. Uh, Mustafa Ali, obviously, everybody knows, was having a lot of resentment with WWE management. He wanted to be released. And... For a while, it seemed like it calmed down quite a bit. And then all of a sudden, we see Mustafa make his WWE return in the segment with Theory and The Miz. And Mustafa is already stepping up to the plate, challenging Theory for the United States Championship. But I know some fans are going to give me flack for this. I don't think Mustafa should be. Coming into a title match right away.
1: No. no. It's It gives off the sense that he came in. With a shiny new toy.
0: And. He didn't really do anything to earn that toy yet. Because. You know. And I'm not crapping on Mustafa. Don't get me wrong folks. But when you're out for a while. It makes no sense to come back for a title match. When you really haven't built up any momentum. That's like with everybody with. The whole Cody Rhodes deal, everyone's freaking out that Cody's going to take the championships off Roman right away, which I can't see that happening because there's been no momentum build toward that yet. Cody's just started his story, and this is the same with Mustafa right now. Is Mustafa's come back, they're trying to get a good fresh start on him, and I think this is almost a somewhat good way to get him going, but I think he needs to get that
1: build just like all the others. I I would have to agree with that. I felt the same way after the Becky Lynch return. Right. Uh, The only
0: difference between, I would say, Becky and Mustafa, though, is Becky. She
1: never never lost lost the
0: title, yeah. She never, well, it's not that she didn't lost the title. She just barely lost the title. So, in a way, even though WWE's kind of done away with the whole championship rematch clause for former champions, I would say Becky definitely deserves to be in that, but watching the return of Oscar come in and making it known that she plans to stop Lynch in that return, I'll tell you what, man, that, that that's kinda gonna be an interesting picture there. We haven't seen Oscar in quite a while. Great to see her back. You know, she's always a great performer no matter who she's in the ring with or what storyline she's involved in. But Asuka manages to find ways to enhance the storyline, but even better, you know, the last time we saw Becky go out, it was Asuka, you know, winning the championship from a surprise gift being in the money in the bank when Becky left to go after she announced she was pregnant.
1: Yeah, we're, we're going to expect to see the same thing that we typically see with Asuka, which is that Japanese fire.
0: I want to make a quick apology. is Our volume seems to be kind of going up and down. I've been trying to get the controls right, so bear with us, folks. I Again, my apologies, but moving on. Going back into the program, we had the whole celebration with Randy Orton's 20 years in the WWE, which was a really cool segment. Randy gave up pretty much a heartfelt speech, you know, wasn't really scripted. You could definitely tell the way he was talking to the fans and everybody saw that special moment where Matt Riddle brings Cody Rhodes out. They have like a pretty much a reunion hug with each other, but then things kind of get a little (laughs) out of hand when Rollins starts jumping in and tells Randy about, Watch your back. Cody's in it for him, not really for you. It's supposed to be Randy's moment, trying to stir the pot like he usually does. Then we have Ezekiel come out, try to congratulate Rollins, and all all of a sudden, then we see Kevin Owens come out and tries to ruin the moment by, you know, his little, this isn't really Ezekiel, this is Elias moment, and basically all hell broke loose. Then we have Adam Pierce make the match final for the main event of the night, where we see the team of RK Bro, Cody Rhodes, and Ezekiel take on the team of the Usos. Oh, I forgot to mention, the Usos came out and tried to interrupt the celebration, too. But they faced the team of the Usos, Seth freaking Rollins, and Kevin Owens, which, you know, that was actually a pretty good eight man tag match. You know, it wasn't like one of those long, boring-type matches. You had eight great superstars in there going at it. Saw the perfect moment for ending Randy Orton's 20-year celebration with hitting RKO's
1: everywhere and anywhere. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So this 20-year Orton uh, celebration, plus that eight-man tag, was probably the pinnacle of this entire program for me. Uh, just the homage that was paid to him, the respect that was paid to him up until, of course, Crybaby Rollins, no spotlight for that guy, turns, it, it turned into a great eight-man match. And like we've discussed before, nowadays we're seeing Randy Orton show that he's having fun. Yeah, and that's what it's all about,
0: especially when you hit his Many years as he has, and at the age he's at, that's all you got to do is have fun with life right now. Being looked at, what Brock Lesnar, ah, Brock Lesnar, easy for me to say, did on this run, you know, he had a ball. He was more fan friendly. He was showing that, hey, I know how to have fun just like anybody else, and he he talked, yeah, and his mic skills were. <laughs> Pretty damn good, you know, for having Heyman as his mouthpiece the last few times, you know. It yep. it was nothing but it's been nothing but a great run for Randy. This long of a run he has, because we, as many of you watched before, Randy was having a few mo few moments, then he was off for a little while, few moments again. But I think he's looking to stick around a little more full time this run, which has been very awesome in the raw women's championship match. That was (laughs) pretty much classic Vince McMahon. Kind of like when was it mankind or or was it dude love where he kept changing the rules on the match between stone cold, Steve Austin and Mick Foley. Uh, I can't remember which Foley character it was now right off the top of my head, but, yeah, we had but this is the different part where Sonia was actually the competitor and an official for WWE. She's sitting there changing the rules after she got counted out. This is gonna be a no count out match. Then after she whacks Bel Air with a chair, she then tells the referee to restart the match because this is gonna be no count outs, no DQ. And what was weird about this match, storyline-wise, we have Carmella and Queen Zelina come out to help Sonia. It didn't make sense, especially when we watched Queen Zelina and Carmella have a little bit of a break apart from each other the last time we saw them together, and they're out there helping Sonia DeVille. Of course, then it makes sense after the match is over, Air retains her championship. Three different times. We see backstage where Sonya, of course, again, abusing her power, slapping Zelina and Carmella for failing her to capture the Raw Women's Championship. And you could just see right off Queen Zelina and Carmella's face like, what the hell? We did our part. We tried to help you.
1: And this is the thanks we get. I had mixed feelings about this match. Sonya has done a wonderful job as far as playing, you know, dirty boss. However, I think we all wanted to see a little more of Sonya's wrestling skill come into this. Uh, the confusion you mentioned with the two ladies coming out, that I think that could have actually just waited till after the match and been its own segment without Sonya involved with it. Well, I don't know if it could have waited
0: after the match. I think it was. It made a little sense, but again, what didn't make sense is you just had these two ladies split up in previous episodes and then all of a sudden they're back together. It, it's kind of like they went. Backwards in a way with the whole angle between the two. Yeah,
1: the split had already occurred.
0: Yeah. Why, w- why would you bring them out as a cohesive unit again? But. To me it would have made more sense to show the a promo in the back showing the agreement they had with Sonya Deville for, you know, a return match on the WWE women's tag team championship, but they lost that opportunity now that because Sonia Deville was not able to defeat Bel Air for the Raw Women's Championship. And to me that definitely could have been worked a little better storyline wise.
1: And unfortunately, we see the consequence in that right now. The next match was uh, Veer Mahan versus Sam Smothers. And this was just another dominance match. It was over very quick. It got its point across. So as far as what they're trying to push, like you've said before, I hope they don't over-push it. But they're doing a good job of selling what they're selling right now.
0: The only thing that's conflicting with this right now is we just had this done with Omas recently. And the problem is, is having two Giants on the same show is, I already think, oh, kind of in a way overdoing it. Now, if we had Omas and Veer Mahan working against each other, that would probably be one thing fact, that would probably be an exciting match right now, but Raw's now got two big monsters going in, and to me it just doesn't make sense. To me it's going to almost, in a way, maybe end up in a boar fest. The only difference is right now Omas is working with Lashley, which I I hope they keep that going, because that could continue to be quite the entertaining David versus Goliath match but right now veer mahan just establishing as he's striking fear in every man's heart which i said not band eagle only if
1: and i mean only if he was the only big monster in raw i i see another angle besides that that could work and that would be kind of like a secondary uh brothers of destruction combo
0: yeah where they get
1: together and just wreck? You, you mean everybody? Have, you mean have Omas and Veer
0: Mahan team up with each other? Absolutely. Yeah, that could be a possibility. Not sure how it would gel as a storyline, or where they would figure the storyline. But yeah, that that would be almost some of a big dominating tag team for who knows how long. Oh yeah. Speaking of Omas, uh, we have that. Arm wrestling match with Bobby Lashley getting the win over the big guy. It just, of course, you know, it ended like everybody predicted. There would be an attack after the match, and of course, Omos being the dominant giant with MVP throwing his little scrappy do punches in right away with it. Not really a whole lot to the segment other than, you know, it's going to continue the heat between Bobby Lashley and MVP, which I'm sure eventually we'll see Lashley get his hands on his former protege.
1: Yep, and that would be something I'd love to see. As for the arm wrestling match, I I, I don't understand.
0: Yeah, it, uh, I hate really seeing arm wrestling matches unless it's like equal size opponents. You know, like when we saw Scott Steiner and Triple H... There was another one, I can't remember. Uh. But, you know, if you remember back in the old WCW days where they did it for some comedy, like they had Medusa beat Paul E. Dangerously, better known to most people as Paul Heyman. We also saw with Missy Hyatt beating Paul Heyman. You know, those were some fun segments to watch. But, this one was just a little rough because, you know, it's David versus Goliath, which you would see the size of Omos and the size of Lashley. You would almost think at any time Omos could actually outpower Lashley on something like that. As far as the mixed tag team match, it was nice to actually see something different with Tamina and Akira Tozawa getting the win over Dana Brooke and Reggie, but I don't really have a whole lot on it. am somewhat burned out with this whole storyline other than the other interesting part was Arthur truth trying to (laughs) steal the championship from dana brook and dana Brooke leaving all upset saying hey i trusted you i trusted you but it's like
1: come on you should know better by now everybody wants that belt yeah I've, i've been burned out on this for weeks but as you said we got to actually see more action out of uh, Tamina and Tozawa. And I I think a lot of us have gotten to the point where we've kind of just put on the back burner how talented the two are.
0: Right. And it would be nice to see them in a little more serious role. The one thing I think really WWE needs to kind of bring back is something more of a, kind of more of a, I don't know how to say it. You know how Impact has, well, I don't know if you watch Impact. No, I don't. They have a di- another title, the Digital Media Championship, which is pretty much like uh, Zack Ryder's, or known, better known today as Matt Cardona. He had the Internet Championship. I think that's something WWE could probably ditch the 24-7 title for. And go with something like the internet or the cyber champion. It, yes,
1: please get rid of that 24-7 but, seven title.
0: But <laughs> that maybe that's an idea for WWE to look more into. You can have that title defended almost at any time, but only this time in actual matches. No more of this, you know, old hardcore silliness. Let's actually have a regular match, but move on toward, you know, it could be intergender matches because we saw the Digital Impact Championship change hands from uh the hell's her name? And I gave it a good rating to Jordan Grace. Sorry, folks. Jordan Grace ends up losing the championship to Matt Cardona who's now got titles galore from all sorts of different promotions. Not saying he hasn't earned it. He has he's done a great job with himself since leaving the WWE. However, I think that could be one last championship WWE could have hanging around. I just never have really liked the look of the 24/7 championship. I get the comedic value behind it, but it's I think it's definitely ran its course
1: now. It I yeah, I wasn't a fan of it from the get-go because we knew what it was going to be. And I, I felt like it was a slap in the face for the hardcore legend to be the one to present that when we could have brought the hardcore title back. Yeah, and I think that's what fans probably would have rather preferred
0: was seeing the hardcore championship come back rather than that. It was a little disappointing on in my old school wrestling fandom, but it is what it is. WWE went with it. Some people like it. Some people don't. I know it's been a big hit on the Chris Jericho cruise. (laughs) Someone's managed every year to design their own different 24-7 championship, and everybody's having fun with it. You might be shaking your head right now like you are right now at me, but, you know, everybody's having fun on the ship with it, and that's a pretty cool moment, too.
1: It's not that I'm shaking my head at. It's, I I don't understand how anybody's out on the ocean. (laughs) Yeah. Hey, we all
0: gotta have our fun, bud. In what was one of the weirdest matches, we had Finn Balor
1: coming short to Damian Priest. Yeah, so ever since Priest moved his gimmick and turned heel and got with Edge, things have been a little bit different, obviously. But the part that made this match weird was Balor was going for moves he typically doesn't go for, and it just seemed like he was off on his timing. And the ending was just kind of a surprise. Yeah, I mean, it threw me off a little bit. I...
0: (sighs) I would have expected a
1: more impactful ending.
0: Right, right. You know, especially when they just had Finn Balor recently take the United States Championship away from... Damien priest but nonetheless it it was a somewhat decent match it yeah, just
1: it was a good match it just had kind of a dud odd ending
0: yeah it it went like extreme
1: to flatline. if that's if that's how I felt what about you yeah it, 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 it like I said it dudded out right it, at the end it's
0: like bur- it's <laughs> like they went head first and splat how about that Awesome Miz TV segment. We had Miz having Austin. I keep doing it. We had Miz bring out the new WWE United States Champion Theory out as his guest. And lo and behold, we had the return of Mustafa Ali.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I was actually kind of proud of Theory and the way he presented himself. He continues to roll with the momentum that he's been pushing. He's doing a great job with it. And Mustafa Ali coming back, its we've seen it throughout his previous runs that he was just kind of flawless with his movements. And with his return, he's once again doing a great job. Well, and
0: Mustafa Ali being a veteran wrestler, you know, going up against Austin Theory who yeah, he's wrestled in the independence and other promotions and has done well in them as well. But being as a newcomer to WWE, you know, he's he's wrestling like one of those veterans and he's still a young kid. And I think we're gonna see lots of great things out of him. Like mentioned before, I see Theory becoming eventually
1: WWE champion at some point in his career. And big props to Miz. Let's throw it out for him. Yeah, he he made
0: Mustafa Ali's return look way awesome. Didn't look like Mustafa Ali missed a step since he's been on his little hiatus from the company. The only thing that's kind of not really making quite sense yet, and hopefully it does in the weeks to come, right after Ali gets his victory over the Miz, attacks him from behind, which I think that kind of left fans a little gut-punched.
1: Yeah, like, this is not what anybody I think wanted to see happen with Champa.
0: No, I mean, especially after he was, you know, recognizing the fans just recently on NXT for all they've done for him while he's been in the promotion, and Moving him to the main roster, I found that was a little bit of a surprise because I know for the longest of time, Tomasa Ciampa was loving staying in NXT, helping new talent get over. But maybe this is just getting to a point, maybe it's in his final chapter to do some things in the main roster level and getting some more accomplishments going under his belt. Maybe. But then, right after that, we have a backstage segment where Rhea Ripley's getting interviewed, pretty much saying she's glad she dumped Liv Morgan because, you know, Liv Morgan was really never there for her when they were a tag team, which we all know that's crap. And then we see Liv Morgan come do the scrappy dude and attack Rhea during the interview.
1: Yeah, I mean, boo for the uh- Attack against Liv Morgan, but we're all probably pretty happy about seeing Rhea get refocused into singles,
0: and maybe we'll see eventually Rhea and Liv keep feuding in singles competition. And who knows? Maybe that'll help Liv boost her singles run even more. You know, I I felt Liv's done a great job on her own already. But seeing Rhea with this heel turn is also probably going to work a little better, especially going against somebody that the fans absolutely love to death. And the main event for the night, the eight-man tag, where RK-Bro, Cody Rhodes, and Zeke will get the win over the Usos, Seth freaking Rollins, and Kevin Owens. Great match. We've already gone into it, really. It was good ending to... Randy Orton's 20th year celebration with the WWE. Seeing him hit RKO's out of everywhere and
1: on everyone. You couldn't ask for a better ending to the night. Yeah, this this was a great match. This, this was probably my favorite match of the entire night. And one of my big takeaways from it was how well Ezekiel performed with these veterans. Oh, without a doubt I mean Ezekiel's not exactly a rookie or a young
0: buck by any means but you know being gone for as long as he was under the Elias character yes I know I know it's not Elias it, it's Ezekiel but we all know better yeah Ezekiel's performing really great right now he just he performed great before as the drifter and everything I just want to say, bring back the damn beard. Make him look like the more buff macho man. Let's have some nostalgia with this character a little bit. Be a little more modern-day hippie macho man, in a way. However, Great Night, when I said this was a Rob, ne- it was three weeks way too late, with all the returns, the cool storylines, celebration of Randy Orton, you know... You couldn't ask for a much better raw than what we've had in the longest time. And we're back. Getting into NXT 2.0 from this past Tuesday night. We had Nikita Lions defeating Lash Legend in which I felt was probably being their second match wasn't their greatest. But Nikita looked great. I'm just not sold
1: on Lash Legend as a professional wrestler yet. I'm not either. Uh, they haven't done enough with her and I don't understand her character and her gimmick. Well, it's kind of more like being the jealous
0: famous person who feels they deserve the spotlight my only problem is, is her mic skills are there her promo skills are there but her in ring work isn't quite there no she's she's essentially just a brick wall right i mean she's got she's got the size the power we just need her to improve a little bit in the ring and hopefully, being teamed up with Natalia in the next match. Looks like it's going to be a tag team match with Natalia and Lash Legend taking on Nikita Lyons and Cora Jade, which we saw both of them come out right after this match, pretty much evening the odds with Cora Jade and Nikita Lyons getting the upper hand on the two heels. And. As I said before, hopefully teaming with Natalia, maybe Lash will pick up some things from, you know, the boat of all time. I just, like I said, I I think Lash has got it in her. She just needs to improve just a teeny bit more, maybe have better move set in that ring, her timing. It looked like she was actually making the calls for the match as they were going
1: through, and unfortunately, I just, like I said, she's just not quite ready for it yet. I'd like to see a little more connectivity with her and the fans, too. Her, well, I think the fans got her. They just aren't impressed with her
0: in ring uh, work not uh, I, don't, I don't mean the fans portion of it. I mean her. Well, that could be, too. We had a short little promo with Diamond Mine with Roddick Strong kind of taking charge, making sure he understood. Everyone understands he doesn't want this faction to decimate like the undisputed era did, and then tells the Creed brothers all they've been doing is making excuses and they just need to take the initiative so he brought in the Viking Raiders to come challenge him at NXT spring break in, which is going to happen next Tuesday and then we move on to von Wagner getting the win over Tony D'Angelo who Comes up short mainly after revenge from what he had done to Santos Escobar. It was a great match overall, but didn't make sense in a way. But, I don't think it flowed very well. Well, you have two heels challenging each other and... Completely
1: different styles.
0: Well, it didn't really even make sense how the whole match came together. Yeah. It was kind of like a last man thrown in together... Just to fill up the card. Yeah. And unfortunately, like any other cluster fluff, this one just kind of, it didn't really end in disaster. But it it shows the continuation of the conflicts between the dawn of NXT and the le- leader of Legato Del Fantasma. We have Nathan Fraser's NXT debut kind of get ruined. Well, not kind of. It got ruined. Thanks a lot, Grayson Waller, you dipshit. But anyways, yeah, Grayson Waller comes in, attacks Fraser from behind, gets in the ring, and of course, you know, has to be his typical dipshit self. And I'm saying this in all fun, folks, being a wrestling fan. Waller just reminds me of, he's pretty much the NXT version of MJF, of course, needing the spotlight, everything's on him. Waller mocks Fraser, and then, you know, of course, mocks... Andre Chase for a little bit. Then Fraser comes back, attacks Waller, gets him out of the ring, and Andre Chase and Bodie come in and basically tell Waller, hey, you see this? It was a teachable moment, which pretty much, yeah, don't ruin somebody's
1: spotlight when
0: they're trying to make their debut, and unfortunately, Waller ended up paying
1: for it. This might be the only time that I've actually, actually liked. Anything that Chase has done, yeah,
0: I, I'm not so hip on the whole school gimmick. But you know, I, I I actually didn't think, don't think his school, his classroom skits aren't bad. They just, I just think the whole school thing's been played out by the likes of the genius Damian Sandow, Matt Striker, Simon Dean. They that gimmick doesn't really tend to last long and wears itself out. NXT takes a small commercial break, and we see Tiffany Stratton trying to get some interview time going. And then, of course, Grayson Weller comes to the back, interrupts, and we see those two get together, Go mention they're going to go do some shopping. Of course, you know, Waller being the cheap ass. As long as Tiffany's buying, he'll go along with it. Then we see... <laughs> Uh, Women's tag team match, which I'm a little frustrated because yet we have another name change. But we have the team of Caden Carter and Katana Chant, who formerly better known by Casey Catanzaro, defeat the team of Ulyssa.
1: Ulyssa and Valentina.
0: Yeah. Have, I have a hard time with Hispanic names. I'm sorry. But yeah, we see them defeat the team of Ulyssa Leon and Valentina Ferois. And both teams are great. I think they're two of the most underlooked women teams in NXT. I know a lot of the dirt sheet experts out there haven't been too hip on Leon and Feroce, but I think
1: I think they've been a great tag team ever since they've come in. This was a completely great match, and I have to agree with you. Whatever the critics are saying right now about these teams is ridiculous. They are steamrolling. Well, they actually are crapping more on
0: Leon in, or sorry, Leon and Froyce, which is crap because this was one of my favorite showings of these two. Yeah, it. I mean, they made a great impression during the Dusty Rhodes Women's Tag Classic. And, you know, Caden Carter and Katana Chance eventually should have the NXT Women's Tag Team Championship at some point. Both great teams. Like I said, I think they get overlooked quite a bit. But at some point, I hope both these teams get a chance to hold the NXT Women's
1: Tag Team gold. Yes, and absolutely. Let's Let's stop. Changing the names. Please. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, if they're established, people know who they are. Just leave it alone. Don't fix something that's not broke. We then transition into a segment where Brooks, Jensen, Fallon Henley are getting fired up for their match against Legato del Fantasma. And somewhere there's a little break in between. We come back and somebody manages to take out Jensen. So. Or, yeah, Yeah. someone took out Jensen, more than likely, the way it was looking was probably Von Wagner since, I can't remember what her damn name is. It's the gal that's been watching Robert Stone and Von Wagner for the latest bit. Right,
1: the high-maintenance blonde in the back. Yeah,
0: yeah. Obviously, we saw, you know, Jensen looking... Doing his little woo, look at her. Fortunately, it costed him. Gets taken out by Von Wagner. Unfortunately, Briggs and Fallon Henry are gonna have to go in one person short into the six person tag match, which we see Legato film. Ah, Legato del Fantasma obviously get the victory over Briggs and Henley. Was a good match though. Briggs held his own for the most part, but. The numbers game worked against him. Fallon Henley, Electro Lopez end up fighting each other all the way to the back, leaving it two on one, and just too much for Briggs. He ends up losing in a match that really should hold his head up high. He did pretty good just by himself.
1: Yeah, this is a good match, and these two teams are, are teams that I'm fans of. I mean, I I started off not liking Electra Lopez, but she actually does a great job. I could see her as a new-age Vicky Guerrero that can actually wrestle.
0: Yeah, I mean, she's still got a little bit to improve in ring work-wise, but it's not terrible It's by any means. She's she's doing a good job for what she's doing. And, you know, the rest of Legato Del Fantasma, a very fast-paced team, which... They don't make very many mistakes in the ring. No, they work well together. You know, that's that's the hard part with watching a lot of these fast-paced matches is sometimes they get going so fast that they go in head first and then eventually crash, but these guys don't. They they Their timing is right on. They make everything they do look so great in the ring, and I think eventually we'll see them with some tag-team gold down the road. When it deems fit. Solo Sokoa gets the win over Trick Williams. And after the match, you know, with Solo's triple threat match for the NXT North American Championship coming at NXT 2.0 spring break in next week, we have Cameron Grimes come in the ring, try to pay his respects to Solo Sokoa. Of course, Carmelo Hayes has to get involved, stirs the shit up, which. Results into Sokoa giving a little bit of a nice super kick to the chin on Grimes, and pretty much Grimes gets a little wake-up call there, I guess you can say. Yep. Basically, one of those moments to watch your back, because, you know, you got two competitors coming yeah. for
1: your title. Yeah, there was there was no apologetic nature to that kick, even though it landed the wrong person.
0: Well, of course not. You know, that fits the... Pretty much the bloodline family. I guess what's the word I'm looking for? Their demeanor, in a way. Basically, no apologies. They're coming for what they want. Nothing wrong with that either. And then we go into pretty much a cool running skit done by Idris and Nofe and Malik Blade. Just getting them warmed up for their match against the Viking Raiders. And as we all see later in the night, that didn't happen very well. Viking Raiders get the. Massive dominant win over, you know, and Blade. Nothing really much to the match other than it's a warm up match showing the Creed Brothers what they're
1: in for for
0: next week's spring break in event.
1: I did like the performance out of Idris and Malik on this match. They actually didn't do that bad for it being that warm up match. But, I mean, up against the Viking Raiders, like, that's just savagery. Yeah,
0: I mean, he always basically, like, throw meat to the wolves right there. Yeah,
1: and I mean, that, that high knee from Eric.
0: Oh, yeah. It, I mean, this is how the Viking Raiders should be booked on Raw. I mean, they, they are Raw, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I'm just a little confused how you don't book a team like the Viking Raiders to be more dominant fashion. Especially when you got teams like the Street Profits. Yeah, you've got, okay, bro. Yeah, you've
1: got them going docile against guys that are smaller than them.
0: Yeah, they, yeah, creative wise, it's not making sense. Hopefully, we'll see the Viking Raiders back in tag team championship competition here shortly. Legato del Fantasma makes their intents to Tony D'Angelo well known. You know, hey, we run NXT, not you. Then we see Tony and D'Angelo, of course, sends his reply. Looks like they're going to have a sit-down with each other at NXT Spring, spring Break-In. We'll see how well that goes eventually. We know we're that's going to pretty much go down as in into another mass fight, hopefully. But which one do we see actually turn face. Do we see Santos Escobar and Legato del Fantasma turn face, or do we see Tony D'Angelo go face on us?
1: I think it would be more on the D'Angelo side.
0: I'm thinking you might be right. Just seeing how the fans got behind Tony D with his match against Von Wagner, it was <laughs> a little different.
1: That, and let's be honest, Escobar and Legato have played their part so well as Hills.
0: Right. They've been a very dominant faction in NXT as of late, and hopefully we continue to see that. I think at some point we would see Escobar going for the NXT championship against whoever the winner between Braun Breaker and Joe Gacy will be. He's very deserving of that run right now. The last match of the night, we see. Roxanne Perez comes short in her second match of her NXT career to the champion Mandy Rose. Good showing by both competitors. Roxanne Perez just continues to be a very good performer in the ring. Like I said, transitioning from Roxy of her Ring of Honor days into NXT 2.0, I'm kinda of was hoping that she would have re-signed or signed a new contract with Tony Khan's now Ring of Honor. Unfortunately it didn't work out very well. But you know, you can't blame her either. She needed a she needed a source of income and NXT was ready to bring her on
1: and it's paid well so far. Yeah. This was a solid match. That's that's how I felt about it, was it was just too extremely experienced good competitors uh the storyline was played well i don't know about biting fingers (laughs) well
0: it it just showed that roxy or roxy roxanne wasn't going to take any of mandy rose's shit and mandy rose did a really great job acting out that whole match and you know winning in her fashion showing that hey i run the women's division and Hey, it worked out pretty well at the end.
1: Yeah, I don't think anybody should ever forget that that little tiny Mandy Rose body comes packing a lot of power. Oh, yeah. I mean, she definitely has all the instincts, and her
0: in-ring skills have improved so much over the years. that you know, she's definitely shown why she has earned that NXT Women's Championship. Wendy Chu coming out post-match. Helping out Roxanne Perez. <laughs> Just having the funny little, you know, slumber party-like fights. that She broke out the silly string. Yeah, she broke out the silly string, the net and everything. Just would have been cool to see Super Soakers instead, I guess, in my opinion. But, who knows, maybe we'll see Wendy Chew and Mandy Rose at- next week in a championship match. I doubt it, being this quick, but... I think it would be something the fans would look forward to. And in the last segment, transitioning really well, we saw the lights go out and come back on. and We see Joe Gacy in the ring with trying to promote how Braun Breaker isn't medically cleared. And we see WWE Hall of Famer Rick Steiner come out. And in a in pretty much blunt fashion, tells Joe Gacy's full of shit that Braun has cleared, he's ready to go, and, of course, Braun Breaker comes out as Joe Gacy was about to plan an attack against the WWE Hall of Famer, and Braun Breaker clears the ring up until he gets distracted enough. We see Joe Gacy come back and sneak attack Braun right from behind, and that pretty much ended the show going into next week's big program with, Joe Gacy challenging Braun Breaker for the NXT Championship. I really hope it turns out to be a great match as it's planned. I know it just kind of seemed like it was put together a little fast. We haven't really seen Gacy do a whole lot as far as a build-up going toward this. I would have liked to have seen him you know, either when they still had the NXT Cruiserweight Championship, either win it off of Roderick Strong or, you know, eventually win the North American Championship from Carmelo Hayes. But, you know, it is what it is. Hopefully, Joe Gacy, who, take nothing away from folks, he's a great performer in the ring. He's proved it in other promotions. I just look
1: really forward to see how this plays out
0: with next week's program.
1: Yeah. I I like where they've been going with Gacy. I do. It it took me a number of weeks to really kind of figure out in my head what was going on there and it's it's Bray Wyattish. They're building the Diabolical Thinker.
0: Right. They pretty much doing kind of like the cult fraud, the leader of a cult of a fraudulent cult or whatever you want to call it. But I love the dark side of the character. It It's playing out very well. The unfortunate part is we're recording this. Everybody knows that WWE recently did a lot of releases, and we found out that, Harland. Unfor- unfortunately, Harland is no longer with the company, neither is Malcolm Bivens, which, and Dakota Kai.
1: Yeah, the Dakota Kai thing, what?
0: Yeah, I felt Dakota Kai should have been main roster by now. Oh yeah,
1: they just threw one of their greatest talents out.
0: Malcolm Bivens being released, I'm trying to make sense of that. Bit, I mean, other than now that we beforehand we saw Roderick Strong trying to be the alpha male of the whole faction of Diamond Mine. We're going to have to see how that plays out now. Maybe it'll transition into them saying Roddy fired Malcolm from being the mouthpiece of the faction. But yeah, releasing Harlan when he's just getting started. I mean, good hell. We just he really didn't even get a chance to get off the ground. No. I mean, he's had very short short exposure on TV and I think if they would have gave him a little more of a chance, they could show him being a little more I guess, a psycho not to deal with. Yeah. Being being like Joe Gacy's little monsters, Gacy's being Dr. Frankenstein.
1: Yeah, I could actually see him, if he moves on, being a great member of House of Black.
0: House of Black, or even, you know, going into something like Impact, New Japan. Get him exposed elsewhere, you know. But I, I hope we see great things out of the former Harlan of WWE. I hope Malcolm Bivens manages to land a managerial role elsewhere. And wherever Dakota Kai goes, she's going to be really great. Oh, yeah. The opportunities for her are very endless. Welcome back. We're going to go right into the SmackDown. It wasn't really my favorite of the week. Again, I think NXT pretty much took the cake between the three programs. Uh, Raw was pretty much right there neck and neck with NXT. SmackDown, not to beat the horse again, but it, it could have been a better show. It started off great, but I felt it ended in a little bit of a flatline pretty much we'll just start off with the cage match between drew mcintyre getting the win over sammy zane finally there was a match between these two that actually had a conclusion sammy tried to escape so many times but failed drew pulls him back in there was a little bit of somewhat good momentum for sammy zane but it just wasn't enough drew was too much of a powerhouse Give Sammy the Claymore, one, two, three. I said finally ended, hopefully, the chapter between these two
1: guys. I, I'm i sad that I missed this week's SmackDown. This was the match that I was looking forward to. Uh, we knew how it was going to end. We absolutely knew. But I wish I would have seen it. I mean, a Claymore to Sammy Zayn. There's nothing better than stuffing the weasel back in its hole.
0: No, I mean, he, the chicken shit runaway type heel, you know, Sammy plays it very well, but, you know, you can only stretch it out for so long, and I think WWE finally made the, well, creative finally made the right choice to finally put a end to this nonsense, and we got a decent match out of it. Fans left happy with the ending of this. We have a small promo of Charlotte Flair going into details of the Beat the Clock submission challenge for tonight. That's set for her and Ronda Rousey. Then we go into a segment with Happy Talk with Happy Corbin, who again degrades Madcap Moss. Pretty much glad he dropped the dead weight. But then we see Madcap Moss make a little surprise visit and attacks Corbin and gets even with all the trash talking he does and we then transition right into the intercontinental championship match ricochet manages to retain his championship against shanky didn't think it was a stellar match it definitely wasn't bad shanky showing what a monstrous heel he can be of course you know Three brands all got to have their monstrous villain there, and Shanky's going to be one of them. And he looked decent. Wouldn't say looked great, but looked decent. But give it time. I think Shanky shows a little bit of a promise in him. After the match, though, we see Jinder Mahal trying to berate Shanky, and Shanky stops him from further running his mouth. And who knows, maybe we'll see some friction between the two, and Shanky will move on to be his own guy, which. I think that would be ideal to establish himself. We transition into an interview with Raquel Rodriguez, who then goes out to the ring, wins her SmackDown debut match. This was her debut match, right? Yeah. Yeah. She goes in and wins her debut match against Kat Cardoza, and pretty much in typical Amazon woman style, just goes in, squashes her with the Chiquita bomb. I think they called it something different on the announced team, but it is the same thing. It's Chiquita Bomb and one, two, three Fans love her. Even despite the name change, it, at least they didn't change it to something really totally off the wall. Kept it within the Hispanic fashion. Then we cut into a, a small weird promo with Gunther and Ludwig. Nothing really much to that. Then we see the Usos and RK Bro had their little signing for the title, the tag title unification match, which has got kind of everyone confused. We eventually see Randy Orton trash talk, calling one of the Usos a bitch. And of course, which all hell breaks loose. And, you know, we see Roman come out. You're like, oh shit, he's had enough. We're going to see domination against the tag team. And then all of a sudden, Drew McIntyre comes out, which I think we already saw that coming after his conclusion with the Sami Zayn feud. I think it's pretty clear Drew wants his shot at Roman for the Unified Championship. Maybe we'll see it.
1: Yeah, uh, it's about time for Drew.
0: I don't know if he'll necessarily be the one that takes the championships off Roman. If he does, it's well earned.
1: Yeah, he, he just needs to get back into that scene. And we've been waiting, I think, way too long to see that. Right.
0: I, yeah, I mean, I I was a little weird when they had Drew lose the championship to Lashley. It just didn't feel right. Didn't, what about you? Uh.
1: Yeah, and... Realistically, not only did that not feel right, but then Lashley's run afterwards wasn't that great.
0: Well, actually, now I'm thinking about did Lashley win the championship off Drew?
1: Yeah. Yeah, he did. But basically, up until the point with Brock Lesnar, it was a filler position.
0: Or actually, no, it wasn't. No, what happened was was Drew lost the title to the Miz, and then Lashley won the title off the Miz. Yeah, but due and to Drew, Lashley's and, involvement, and Drew, Drew didn't, Drew never got a chance to win the championship back. So yeah, my apologies, folks. I got my history a little clustered there.
1: Yeah, I, for me, it was just a crap filler, and it wasn't necessarily the best one for Lashley to have. Yeah.
0: But, anyways, uh, getting back to the SmackDown, we see where the storyline is going with the Bloodline and RK Bro and Drew McIntyre. Roman tearing up the contract for the unification match, though, kind of, that's where I think is the confusing part. I think it even confused Cole and McAfee because they're like, well, wait a minute, what does this mean for the championship match? Is it going to go on? I. I would think it would need to go on because you've already advertised the hell out of it. You've got the storyline going deep. You might as well just run with it and get the Usos to take them titles off RK-Bro. I mean, you want them to be established as the most dominant, legitimate faction ever in WWE history, especially with Roman's universal reign. I mean, yeah, let's make this a very, very strong faction. Moving on, we go to a singles match between Naomi, one half of the women's tag team champions, against Shayna Baszler, who's in contentions with Natalia for those tag team championships. Naomi manages to get the win over Baszler, but shortly after, you know, Natty and Banks, you know there was going to be some type of involvement post-match. Natty blindsides Naomi right after the win and Banks gets involved to try to help even the odds out. Unfortunately, it didn't work out so well for the tag champs as right toward the end where we saw Natty holding Banks back. We see Baszler do the little break-the-arm type deal, or shoulders, however way you want to look at that angle. But, yeah, it, it'll definitely throw some... Uh, concern for the tag champs going into the match with natty and baszler i think this might show some change in the women's titles not sure it i wouldn't say that natty and Basler hasn't earned those titles but again we got four women who all have established themselves as very well single competitors and Right now, I think WWE could be doing a lot better with the whole women's tag team division in their company.
1: Yeah, I I don't necessarily think that either team really, at this point, needs to establish any kind of tag team uh, presence. I think there's other tag teams out there right now that are trying to establish themselves and should be in that position.
0: Well, and two teams that already come to mind, Caden Carter, Katana Chance, Ulyssa, Leon, and Valentina Faroes, two promising tag teams right there that could enter main event roster anytime now, and I think those two teams would definitely be, like, the ideal teams to hold that gold.
1: Yeah, it's like I said before, both of those teams are steamrolling.
0: Yeah, Unfortunately, I don't know if we brought the Women's Tag Team Championships in at the right time yet. But if we're going to continue having those belts play in some roles of the programming, let's get some more women's teams going. Let's get some team names going for these ladies. Let's do something. But make it a little more, put some more meat in that stew. Or yeah, chilly, yeah.
1: Know? It's really just kind of lost its power, its weight. We had four great women's teams put together. Two of them fell apart. Two of them are still together. That don't even need to be established as tag teams. They're better as singles competitors. The two teams you mentioned would be a perfect fit, right? Because everybody associates, ah. Eh.
0: Easy for me to say. Everybody associates them as a tag team and. That's what you need to do to run a decent tag team division. I mean, look at the how New Japan does their tag team division. Look at how AEW runs their tag team division. I mean... Yeah, there's multiples of options there. Exactly. Butch? 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 Anyone seen Butch? Have you seen
1: Butch? feel like this is one of those bad monkey moments.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, we all saw Sheamus and Ridge lose Butch last week and still nowhere to be found. I was actually surprised he didn't come in and make a sneak attack on New Day yeah uh, New Day. That was not a glitch. That was actually me sucking at the microphone again. Yeah, I was a little disappointed we didn't see Butch come and make a sneak attack on neither of the matches, but. We saw Xavier Woods get the win over Holland. Sheamus then berates Holland and tells him, I'll show you how it's done. He challenges Kofi to a match after. Kofi accepts. And this time we see Sheamus get the win over Kofi Kingston. Of course, shortly after the match, Holland will attack Woods, and we see the end result with Holland powerbombing Woods right through the table on the floor. And again... They'll no sign a Butch, so who knows? Maybe we'll get lucky and they'll move move him back to the Pete Dunn name. Or, you know, what the hell? They'll finally find Butch and we'll continue the little temper tantrum that he throws.
1: <laughs> it's like a spoiled brat. So this one confuses me. And it's been confusing for me. Where are they even heading with this storyline? I, I have <laughs> no idea. It just feels like it's... Another filler piece.
0: They're trying to keep the band-aid on, but it's peeling off. You know what I mean? Yeah. This
1: this is going to get stagnant. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think it's definitely time for both factions to move on, get something else going. Then, you know, after that, we go go into Lacey Evans, uh, continuing on her life story, which, you know, she gets very emotional and... You feel for stories like that, you know, if it is true, which I think it is, I mean, to see that kind of emotion out of her, either she's a really good actor, or, you know, but I I do believe this is her real life story, and I'm not really a fan of having that kind of stuff exposed, especially when you're in a company that does a lot of acting.
1: Yeah, it it can be extremely damaging both to the individual as well as the company.
0: Right. You, you don't want to expose their personal life too
1: much. If they're okay, willing to do it, that's one thing. But Right. I but mean, you take a look at cases where, I mean, look what happened with Sonya.
0: Well, Sonya, you look at when WCW did Scott Hall's alcohol problem. Yeah, I mean, Jeff Hardy's
1: abuse of, you know. The, the These superstars are out there portraying their character.
0: Right. And I, ha- I have a hard time using real-life problems in storylines and angles. And, I don't know, maybe Lacey Evans is going along with this to bring awareness, to motivate people, you know. No matter how down life is, you can still make the best of it and do the things you want, you know, accomplish the goals you really want to achieve.
1: And that's not a bad way to go, except for, once again, it can become diminishing to a person's life, their career. Right. And then we're going to get into the final
0: segments of SmackDown. It's the Beat the Clock submission challenge, I quit challenge, whatever you want to call it. The first match, Ronda Rousey defeats Shotzi Blackheart in a minute and 41 seconds. Didn't really... I don't think any of this really enhanced either one other than it shows that they know how to do submission moves. And I'm a little bummed because I think Shotzi Blackheart deserves a little more respect than this. She's a great talent. She. Ever since she's been main roster, I think they've dropped the ball with her. I'd rather just see her back in NXT and going for the NXT Women's Championship, feuding with Mandy Rose, or find ways to be the way she was before.
1: Yeah, having her go out to a submission is ridiculous. This is somebody who is known throughout her career with NXT to have been unpredictable. And somebody you couldn't just, you know, ward out that quick. Right. I, yeah, I just,
0: I kind of feel like she's getting the shit treatment. And I can't speak for her. Maybe she is okay with where she's at. But this is the one time I would actually have to say, let's find better ways to book Shotzi right now. She's not being doing this. She should be winning matches. She should be establishing her as a contender. And then, for the second match, Charlotte Flair makes a tap, but in a minute 43, in other words, Flair didn't necessarily win the match as Michael Holt, ah Michael Hull, Michael Cole pretty much detailed to Pat McAfee that even though Charlotte Flair made her tap after the minute 41, she still loses. Pat McAfee asks, well, did Aaliyah win? And Michael Cole says no. (laughs) Because that's not how the beat the clock challenge works. It pretty much Ronda Rousey wins the whole thing, which logistically, that does make sense. But in a way, you do have to acknowledge that Flair made Aaliyah tap, but it was like after the 141, so she did not win the beat the clock challenge. She just managed to make Aaliyah tap out to a submission move. Then we see Flair get upset and takes her frustrations out on Gulak again. A little weird, but poor Drew Gulak is just in the wrong place at the wrong time. And I, I'm not sure if he's just done in ring wise. If he is, he's making good use of his time. All right, let's get into AEW Wednesday Dynamite, the very first match right off the bat. We have the Owen Hart Foundation men's qualifier, Dax Harwood versus Cash Wheeler. And I'll tell you what, those two brought a fantastic match.
1: Speechless on this one, it was an insane match that we knew was just going to be perfect. And it was. In fact, my notes read and awesome. Which, for me to call a match effin' awesome, you know me, I, I don't typically get all that enthusiastic or express myself like other fans would. But this was such a technically sound and just raw, old-school wrestler
0: Well, and it was a good way to start off the program, too. I mean, you had fans already jacked up for the match. I mean, you could not ask for any two better competitors, let alone tag team partners going against each other who have an infinite amount of respect for the Hart family, the Hart Dungeon. I mean, the match was very well... Choreographed, choreographed, but the best technical, professional wrestling skills
1: you could ever see in the ring. Right, and I mean, this was a match of pure respect, including Punk coming out as an announcer. Yeah, I mean, he came out and
0: paid his respects to both competitors. Punk is very well loved by Bret Hart. We've seen that in the past. He's got nothing but total respect for the Hart legacy that they've brought to the professioning, uh, professional wrestling world. The thing I really love, too, and I don't know if anybody, I'm sure everybody had to have noticed, the Hart Foundation colors of Dax and Cash's tr- trunks. I mean, I'm yeah. paying tribute to the late, great Owen Hart. Uh, you know... Dax gets the win over Cash, which I don't know if it would have mattered who won. Both of them came out real winners in that match. Seeing Cash win it, or not Cash, but seeing Dax win it, it just, like I said, you couldn't go wrong with either guy, but it says a lot with Dax moving on and getting that spot in the tournament. I'm I'm pulling through for Dax big time.
1: Yeah, he. Uh,
0: Dex and
1: Cash both epitomize what Owen Hart represented to the wrestling world. Yeah,
0: and you know, it was nothing but very classic, very classic pro wrestling match, doing a lot of some of Owen Hart's attributes with the heel tactics, like, hey, he poked me in the eye, you know, hey, he did this to me. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) you know
1: that's a guy we miss is Owen Hart. (laughs) No doubt. I,
0: if this wasn't a match that was between a 4- and 5-star, I don't know what the hell is wrong with you because this is right up there between these two guys. After watching FTR pay their respects to each other and to the Owen Hart tournament, CM Punk cuts a little promo on how if he feels like he still has it going up at his match with Adam Hangman Page for the AEW Championship. I think it's pretty obvious Punk is ready for it. I just hope him and Adam can put on a great match with each other. Moving on to a small promo with Scorpio Sky and Dan Lambert promoting their match for the TNT Championship ladder match with Sammy Guevara later in the night. Then we move on to the Blackpool Combat Club, which I think last week I accidentally called it Blackpool Fighting Club. My mistake if I did that. But we have the Blackpool Combat Club defeating the team of the factory of QT Marshall, Aaron Solo, and Nick Comorado. And two talents that stood out in this match was both Nick Comorado and Wheeler Yuta. Wheeler Yuta just continues to impress me as a single, well, not as a single star, but a guy who can hold his own. Nick Camarado is just one big dude that you don't see a whole lot of monsters like the size of Nick Camarado perform well. It's mostly just quick squash moves, but Nick Camarado is a very good, technically skilled wrestler.
1: Yeah, this, this was a great match, in my opinion. It was brutal, for sure. Yuta, like you said, he continues week in, week out to go in there and perform better and better each week. And I agree with you. camarado. is an amazing athlete. We have seen him do things that typically we see guys that are lighter in weight be able to do. He does it quick, he does it seamless, and he still holds his character. I just don't think there's been enough focus on him, and I want to see more focus on him.
0: I think at some point down the road, we'll see Nick Comarado get away from the factory, and I think it would be a good move, because he's got everything to become a good single star. There's just no doubt that you could see this guy win some singles titles. Or even, you know, get in tag team if he's got the right partner. I just don't think he has the right partners with him for that.
1: Right. I kind of want to see uh, a four-way match that takes place between Keith Lee, uh, Will Hobbs, Camarado, and Wardlow at some point.
0: Oh, good God. That'd be a fatal four-way monster ball yeah. match there. But it'd be awesome. Just without the monster ball rules. No offense, Abyss but uh yeah then shortly after we just got uh, a couple of promos which i apologize i didn't really pay much attention to which i really should have first segment with dr brick baker dmd jamie Hader, of course launching on tony storm who then gets backed up by ruby soho then we see jungle boy luchasaurus christian and then we go into the third match of the night where Wardlow defeats the Murder Hawk Lance Archer, which pound for pound, damn.
1: Yeah. Wow. Excellent match. And I just got to say, WTF, Wardlow, a running Hurricane Rana. Yeah.
0: Really? That was my biggest highlight of the match. Is, I'm like, did I see that right? Did Wardlow do a Hurricanrana on a big guy like Lance Archer? Well, just Wardlow alone being a big guy performing the Hurricane Rana reminded me back in the days with Scott Steiner doing the Frankensteiner off the top rope. Yeah, and to-
1: it was wasn't just a regular Hurricane Rana; it was a running. Yeah, I mean <laughs>
0: it's like holy shit, and
1: he did it pinpoint accuracy.
0: And then you know Wardlow performing a Santon too. Yeah, like <laughs> and. You know, and the funny part was watching the start of the match with Lance Archer doing the aerial move as Wardlow's getting the, the handcuffs taken off. I'm like, "Oh, this
1: is going to be a damn good match." And let let's be real, this would not have been such a great match without how well Lance Archer did as well.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think Lance Archer is one of those guys who he sells a match. No, he he shows his veteran. He shows his veteran being an in-ring performer. I I just think he's under-accolated as far as holding championships. Absolutely. Whatnot. I mean, we've seen him. Don't get me wrong. He has won some fair share amount of titles, but I think this is a guy who deserves the top prize or has earned a spot for the top prize. Oh, yeah. I mean, we've seen him wrestle for the AEW World Championship before. I just think, if he got one good run out of it, it would definitely cement his legacy as a professional wrestler. Oh, I want to see it. But and but not taking anything away from Wardlow, because this is his spotlight here. Wardlow doing the Powerbomb Symphony on a big guy again, back-to-back week. We saw it do it with The Butcher last week, this week with Lance Archer. But then, af- af- uh, I can really talk today. But after we saw the promo with MJF and Sean Spears in the back later on the program, we basically got the hint that MJF is calling in W. Morrissey from Impact to come make some big cash to try to take out Wardlow. and I think we all see where this is going to go, but it'll be awesome to see W. Morrissey in the AEW ring. We go on to a segment where the Jericho Appreciation Society is supposedly having a sit-down with Eddie Kingston, uh, Santana, and Ortiz, which... Escalates.
1: It it, it escalated, as we figured it would. Uh, They've been playing the story of the underappreciated, the overappreciated, the arrogant versus the humble. Uh, This got intense.
0: It did, and it's turning out to be a great storyline. Jericho dropping his former faction for this newer faction. It's almost like he's trying to spread the love all around, getting all the talent over.
1: He really is. He's doing a great job of exposing.
0: Right. And, you know, proud and powerful Santana and Ortiz. We already known them for being the LAX faction in Impact. We saw what a great tag team they were in that promotion. And other independent promotions they've performed in. Eddie Kingston, I never knew anything about until he made his AEW debut against Cody Rhodes in the TNT Championship Open Challenge, and everything I've seen out of Kingston has been awe-inspiring. He's got a great real-life story coming into the promotion, and seeing the way he performs, promo mic skill-wise, his in-ring skills. Not like, I would say, over-the-top best, but does it to get the job done and gets the fans behind him, and he's got it.
1: Yeah, he, he's got that bar room style.
0: Yeah. He, man, I'll tell you, he's... It's <laughs> it, A guy who manages to keep his character consistent, whether he's a face or a heel, he manages to stay true to his character yeah
1: he's got the voice and no he's not the greatest wrestler ever and probably never will be but he's good at what he does he brings it
0: he does he does and with this being his biggest probably his best contract with any promotion i think it's brought his confidence up big time, especially with his match that he had against CM Punk a few pay-per-views ago. I, I definitely feel that, you know, knowing where he's at now compared to where he was before, it's brought out a good spark in him.
1: Yeah. Special, special thanks. I think got to go out to Moxley and to Jericho for working so hard to help expose Eddie. Yeah.
0: It, they've done a great job getting him in there and well I can't say just those guys alone Tony Khan obviously saw something with Eddie Kingston too and it's paid off it's definitely paid off
1: yeah I I feel the fans are way behind Eddie yeah it, they are they are and that's what
0: becoming a good performer does you know you get the fans behind you and that continued support will get you very far. We have a short promo with Sammy Guevara and Tay Conte promoting their met, the TNT Championship late match later in the night with Scorpio Sky and what a ball that match ends up. We'll talk about that a little bit later here, but then we go into the Philly Street Fight with Serena Deeb getting a win over Hikaru and. I was a little bummed. I was pulling for Sheeta big time. I'm a big fan of hers, and I don't know what it is. She's just got that it factor for me for some reason. This,
1: I, th- yeah, this was a great match. Uh, definitely a fan of Sheeta. I wasn't at first because I really didn't see the broad scale of her in ring knowledge, but it came out later on, and no offense to Deeb eater. Deeb has been around for a long time, and she's just, she's so good at what she does. She is.
0: Um, I just didn't really enjoy the whole five-minute professor challenge that she ran for so long, and I kind of feel like she needed not sure if it really kind of diminished what she's done but it wasn't doing it for me but it's glad, it's good to see Sheeta back and having the feud i think however now it's just time for them both to move on to some different storyline you know Serena Deeb definitely deserves well she's earned her big pushes Sheeta just continuing to be a good singles competitor I think it's time for her to move on whether they go for the TBS championship or the women's championship you know you can't go wrong either way for either of those two competitors
1: yeah I I say kill this story with an Iron Woman match
0: Um, Iron Woman match or cage match something yeah time to I think it's just time to put the finish on it and now's the time to do it
1: yeah we, we've we seen the entry of so many other talents that I really want to see both of these ladies go after those other talents. Yeah.
0: Then we see a promo where, you know, we weren't sure who it was in the ring, but later on we found out it's Ray Finn. It's making his return to AEW after being out from that
1: really, Nasty. Nasty
0: arm injury he suffered at the last pay-per-view. Needless to say it was a distraction to kind of trap House of Black to come out and try to attack him. But then we see Penta, Oscuro and Pac come out and then all of a sudden Alex Aberhantes comes out which threw a little bit of a twist to House of Black. They're like, wait a minute. If those three are there, who's this in the ring and turns out There's Ray Phoenix in a robe and have a shovel ready to make the attack on House of Black. And eventually we see the Death Triangle faction get the upper hand on House of Black.
1: Yeah. Welcome back, first of all, to Phoenix. At at one of the heights of the career to have that kind of a break is it's a setback. And it forced... Of course, Penta, to go back to focusing more on the individual character, such as Penta Obscuro. And now the question is, does he remain pushing
0: that? I, I think so, as long as they're in this storyline with House of Black, because they brought out his dark side. Pac, already known as the bastard, you know. No need to really change much on him, just be his aggressive self. It's just going to be a matter of now, seeing how Ray Phoenix adapts to the story, and do we see a darker side of him, or do we just see his normal Ray Phoenix self? Mm. Time will tell to see where this storyline eventually takes every character. Can only get better from
1: here, in my opinion. Yeah, I'd I'd love to see Phoenix and get a little nastier in the ring.
0: Yeah, and this is this is one of those storylines that have kind of gone a while now, but it hasn't outrun its course quite yet. I think it's still got a few more weeks in it before they finally end this feud against each other. And then we see a small little promo between Darby Allen and Swerve Strickland talking about their Rampage match for the qualifier for the Owen Hart Foundation Tournament. Then going into the 10 Mad Tag, where the Undisputed Elite off did an open challenge to any five guys willing to challenge them, which we see the Undisputed Elite get the victory over the team of Dante Martin, Brock Anderson, Lee Johnson, and the Varsity Blondes. I wasn't really much of a match. We obviously knew the undisputed elite would come out ahead on this. But seeing the team of Dante Martin, especially with Darius out for a little bit, it looked like he's got a neck injury from what I saw on Twitter. And then I think we got a good little faction going there. If you combine Brock Anderson, Lee Johnson, and Varsity Blondes, have them all under Arn Anderson's wing, you know? almost yeah. Almost kind of like a... I wouldn't say name him as the new Four Horsemen, but have some kind of, like, Anderson family stable. Now that Cody Rhodes is gone, there's really no nightmare factory, you know?
1: Yeah, it. we're going to have to see this get pushed more, for sure. The talent and the opportunity is there. And
0: I I think if we can get Arn Anderson to keep being the manager for... The four guys I just mentioned, I, I think they can definitely go places, especially with Arn's veteran and leadership. It, these talents can just get better as they progress in the ring. And then going out into the, I guess you can call it the garage of the arena, we see Jericho Appreciation, eh, Jericho Appreciation Society. Take out Kingston, Ortiz, and Santana, which, uh, I don't know if we really needed that little segment, but whatever. Then we go into the promo of Trent Barreta and Samoa Joe promoting their Ring of Honor World Television Match that will be taking place on Friday Rampage. We'll talk a little more on that in later in this episode. But then we go into the main event for the TNT Championship, which is also a ladder match. Scorpio Sky becomes the two time TNT Championship, defeating Sammy Guevara. And I'll tell you what, that match did not disappoint for being a second match for these guys. Well, a third match,
1: sorry. Yeah, no, this match was amazing. It just it held up to everything that we had already seen. That we know we're going to continue to see out of these two. I can't say anything bad about either one of these talents, except for Sammy on the mic sometimes. I don't quite follow where he's going with it. It just seems like he's back and forth between his character.
0: Yeah, I think, well, I think a lot of it depends on the fan reaction every night for him, which that plays a big key factor, and I think he plays well to it. I do think he needs to be a little better with his mic skills. Uh, I mean, you've seen his vlogs and everything. Well, I'm not sure if you've seen it. I've seen a few of his vlogs. He does a great job with them. I just think he needs to be a little more experienced with the mic in ring, obviously. I agree. But some, some some of the things that many talent could work on. Not everybody's going to be 100% dead on with everything, but
1: that's probably one thing I would say he needs to improve. Yeah, my my biggest thing overall with this match is come on, is this finally going to lead to a Frankie chance here?
0: Well, I don't know. Uh, It would be awesome to see Frankie being some type of singles title contention. It was pretty awesome to see Frankie come out and Congratulate Sky on becoming two time in TNT championship. But it's, we can only hope there's a great match between Frankie and Scorpio for that championship, as Scorpio Sky did make the promise to him that, hey, if I win this, I'll let you have the first shot. And it's pretty cool to see that between the two former SCU members. A uh, couple other things to make note. How about that barbed wire ladder, man? Oh. Was that brutal to watch those guys land on that? Why would you do that? But <laughs> the thing that did concern me, though, is even though they landed on it, it makes me wonder if that was totally fake barbed wire, because you didn't see any blood or scratch- scratches on their backs after they landed on it. Yeah. they sold it well. They sold it well, but there was... I'm not saying... God, we need to see blood every time, but realistically, if you're using barbed wire and you land on it, you should be seeing some punctures and wounds and
1: all that. Given my uh my hobbies outside of well, you know, work and trying to actually sleep, I come across a lot of barbed wire fences. I've had plenty of encounters. I've had plenty of fights with barbed wire. I never win. Yeah,
0: I mean had <laughs> i i just think if you're gonna have barbed wire come into play you need to make it show but at the same time with everybody bitching and moaning about oh there's too much blood in professional wrestling you know shut the f up if you have not watched professional wrestling back in the day this is what you see today is very mild compared to what we watched back in the 70s 80s and 90s yeah. early, early 90s sorry
1: I-, I would compare that to if you're the type of person that's complaining about that and i don't want to see you watching any kind of movies yeah I that mean, involve violence exactly don't
0: be coming and talking to us about how great fast and furious or you know something like the fight club or the boys
1: the boys the boys is probably the bloodiest Damn show I've ever watched. Yeah, yeah. And,
0: you know, it's just give me a break. Yeah. It, it's supposed to be family friendly, but not everything's going to be family friendly, folks. It, it just doesn't always happen. Nope. And how about that kicking the balls to Dan Lambert from Tay Conti?
1: <laughs> well, it was, I think she may have uh, actually made contact
0: just a little bit that was i mean even if you're wearing a cup that shit still
1: hurts yeah you heard the clap on it oh yeah yeah
0: she got him pretty good
1: i i still i know it doesn't do any good to request it over the air come on guys enough with the balls yeah let's let's
0: leave the southern regions alone for a little while
1: Go for maybe, you know, the broken finger, the pulled tongue from the rock. Yeah. Let's do something
0: a little different. Let's get away from kicking the junk or, you know, shit like that. Yeah. But then we also see Paige come out and take it to tie a little bit, you know. we I mean, we all saw the end result. Eventually it was enough to keep the level field going and You know, this was the one time where it was actually Tay and Sammy kind of being the heels in a way. Honestly, both competitors very well liked by fans, regardless. Unfortunately, someone's going to be the heel, somebody's going to be the face. It was just a matter of how we're going to play it out, but let's hopefully see it be a little more concrete after this week.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm completely... Completely satisfied with Scorpio Sky. I don't think much improvement needs to happen with him. I think we can see a lot more out of Sammy.
0: Yeah, and Sammy's going to go places. He's a very great competitor in the ring. But I also want to send congratulations as we're recording this. We found out that Sammy Guevara and Tay Conte have won the AAA A mixed tag team championships congratulations to them very deserving of a tight a championship just like that they're a very great power couple and hopefully they go places and maybe we'll see them defend those titles against you know one member of the men of the year and page who knows huh? i i felt like this was a pretty solid show i mean i wouldn't say it was their
1: top but i was more impressed with the holy crap moments throughout this yeah i mean there was don't get me wrong AEW will
0: find something to keep the fans entertained and they've done a solid job with that said we're gonna move on and take a short break we'll get right to rampage All right, welcome back. We're going to go right into the final segment with AEW's Friday Rampage. We start off with the Owen Hart Foundation men's qualifier. Swerve Strickland comes up short against Darby Allen. And, of course, you know, being on Rampage, Ricky Starks at the commentary table with Taz, Excalibur. I don't know why my name froze on that. And Jericho. Of course, we're going to see Ricky Starks come from the commentary table to Come kind of make a distraction. Of course, Sting tries to stop him before he tries to do anything stupid to take Swerve Strickland out. But, of course, the distraction was still too much for Swerve where Darby Allen locks the legs and gets the pin fall over Swerve where Darby now moves on and gets his spot in the Owen Hart Foundation tournament. And
1: Darby is definitely deserving of this win. I was a little disappointed with the match being jaded, just because you you want to see a match like that. Just you want to see it definitively, pretty definitively fair down the middle, and yeah, you want to see a proper ending. And I think it took away from the match to have Ricky Starks get involved. Right, I. That's how I felt.
0: But, of course, you know, something's always going to be up, especially when anybody feuds with Team Taz. Unfortunately, that's what it is. I was a little weirded the fact that we did not see Will Hobbs at all during the program. His absence kind of, you almost kind of thought maybe it was Hobbs that was going to come and cause some type of distraction, but that did not take place. Nonetheless, the good thing of, about this whole match was the promo that Darby and Swerve had backstage. You know, Darby apologizes to Swerve and said, hey, if you want to go five more minutes out there, let's do it. And Swerve being the bigger person said, no, it's all right. He knows it wasn't Darby's fault that all that took place, but he's going to get with Keith Lee, and they're going to continue their feud with Team Taz, which I think will end up being... Another great match down the road. In the next segment, we see Spears, well, sorry, the chairman, Sean Spears, promote W. Morrissey coming into next week's Dynamite to take on Wardlow and lets Wardlow know they're going to finally decimate him. Doubt it, but we'll see. And get a little bit of a shocker Santina, or, ah, Santina. I don't know why I keep calling him Santina. Santana Ortiz come out and attack Jericho in the commentating booth, letting them get their revenge, you know, which, like you said earlier, it's going to get They're intensifying this feud, which is pretty awesome.
1: Yeah, my favorite part about this was the way that Santana came out and blasted those headphones right off of Jericho.
0: Oh, yeah, it made one hell of an impact, and you know, making this feud even more believable with how things are getting more and more intense, like you said, aggressive, and these are the types of feuds that pro wrestling fans enjoy. Going into match number two of the evening, a trios women tag match with the baddies, Jade Cargill, Kiara Hogan, and Red Velvet getting the victory over Willow Nightingale, Trisha Dora, and Sky Blue. Very good. Showing of the baddies faction. Didn't really ask for a
1: better team for
0: Jade, I guess you can
1: say. Yeah, this this was a great match as far as showcasing those three. Uh, Definitely seeing a more vicious side of Red Velvet. Uh, Jade, she's just on point. She's getting better and better, doing better and better. But at the same time, this was a chance to see people that we don't tend to see that much on the scene, with uh, Willow Nightingale and uh, Trish Adora. Yeah, I, I, I don't know why. Yeah, I'm not
0: so sure on the whole storyline wise there. I mean, and maybe it's. Because I probably really should watch Dark and Elevation a little more on YouTube.
1: Yeah, I, I like the exposure, but this was a huge mismatch.
0: Yeah, I mean, we already saw, it. I mean, with Jade Cargill and her undefeated single streak going on, joining forces with Red Velvet and Kiara Hogan, I, I feel like that's meshing very well. But the opponents, I
1: just it was a step back
0: yeah it, it was almost pretty much watching like your typical superstars from back in the day watching the talent that are over going over enhancement talent and i think willow nightingale is definitely way past that point she definitely should be a little more fierce competitor same with sky blue trishador i'm not familiar with and I'd probably need to go back and watch some more matches of her in the past. But yeah, I I definitely would like to have seen something a little more, I guess, main event level is in a way. Main event skill. Yeah. We then see Limitless Keith Lee get the victory over Colton Gunn. Didn't think it was a bad match for Colton Gunn's,
1: you know, first singles match. No, it wasn't bad. It it was super quick and I think We've discussed this before. They were going to have to decide which way they were going to go with the amount of content they were trying to fit in. And so we're seeing these more compact matches. But I think they're going for that. And I think they should continue to push, possibly for more airtime. Fulton uh, did good, but this was a squish match. And he literally got squished. Oh, For sure. For sure. Like I say, it was a good
0: showing for Colton Gunn's first singles match, but yeah, Keith Lee gets the victory, showing his dominant fashion, and I I guess I was just a little weirded that we didn't see some type of Team Taz interference or distraction. Nonetheless, good singles match. Didn't really do much, but just kept fans entertained. Then we see two quick promos between Jeff Hardy and Bobby Fish promoting their qualifying match for the Owen Hart Foundation tournament that's gonna take place on next week's Dynamite. Go and then we transition into Danhausen calling Hook out, which I think it was a little disappointing because I think everybody was expecting Danhausen to wrestle Hook and that didn't happen.
1: Yep, this one infuriated me. I've never actually seen Danhausen wrestle, so good job you guys. Got me.
0: Yeah, I <laughs> We see Dan Housen call a hook out, and then as soon as Hook comes out, see Dan Housen like, oh shit, maybe we'll do this another time, just not right now. And Hook said, no, we're going to do this right now. But then they get interrupted by Mark's ah, smart Mark Sterling, just, you know, being a little distraction device to have Tony Nese come out and attack both men behind him. And <laughs> we see smart Mark Sterling try to get physical with Downhousen, was it? Or was he getting physical with Hook?
1: Hook, because Hook tossed him.
0: Yeah, that's right. Hook tossed him and then pretty much made small work out of him. And then we see Hook take care of Tony Nice at the end. Clear the ring. And then, we, of course, we see Downhousen trying to make good with Hook. And you see Hook shove Downhousen like oh, no, we got business together. It's going to happen later.
1: Uh, You crushed my chips. You got to
0: pay. That's right. Then we see backstage segment with the gun club, you know, just kind of recouping from Colton's loss with Keith Lee. And then the claim come in and, you know, try to make reference that, you know, hey, just stick with us and you'll do better and, Gun Club got offended and went to go look for Daddy. Nothing real much to that segment. But then we go into the main event with for the Ring of Honor television championship. So Mello Joe retains his championship at, against Trent Baretta. It was a pretty good match between two great talent. I loved seeing the keep the coat of honor after the match and shake hands. Didn't really have a whole lot for this match. Just, you know. It was, it was a great
1: physical match. Yeah.
0: I mean, Trent, and, Ber- Trent Beretta being great in-ring technician. Samoa Joe showing his great technical skills. I mean.
1: Yeah, Samoa Joe is looking as good as ever.
0: Yeah, I mean, especially being a veteran talent at his age.
1: Yeah, with all the plaguing injuries that he's had over the times. For him to be able to still go out there and do it.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's just a bummer to see that it didn't work out very well for him in WWE. Other than, you know, he made history being the first three-time NXT champion. But other than that, I think, what he's held the United States Championship, and that's it, right?
1: Yeah, he pretty much got overshadowed by Reigns.
0: Right, and unfortunately... You know, you never know. We may see him back in WWE in the future. We just never know. But I think Joe is in a good place now at Ring of Honor. And, well, being with AEW, but, you know, darn well, he's probably going to have more involvement with Ring of Honor, which I hope that is the case.
1: I think it fits his style better anyways.
0: Yeah, for sure. Post-match, though, we see, (laughs) of course, Jay Lethal, Sanjay Dutt, and Singh come out, and of course they attack best friends just so that Lethal can go make the attack on Samoa Joe, and pretty much we see where this is going: Samoa Joe, Jay Lethal storyline, where Joe, you know, brought Jay Lethal into Ring of Honor, and not sure where the conflicts happen, but oh. That's right. Jay Lethal called Samoa Joe and Joe never answered, but I guess this is just kind of jealousy that Joe didn't acknowledge Lethal. Nonetheless, I think we're going to eventually see the Ring of Honor Television Championship match between Samoa Joe and Jay Lethal. It's more than likely kind of a power trip match, and- I just want to take this short little moment to send well wishes to the recently announced releases of WWE talent. Uh, Losing a job is never easy folks. I've never experienced it but having my personal life with my dad losing not losing his job but being laid off so many times. I mean it worked well for him in the future where he's regained it back but it's never fun to see anybody lose their job. It, especially with some of the well known talent that we've seen released. Um, there was a few there that probably not as recognizable, but you still feel bad for anyone that's got to go through that process. That's your way of living, and it's, it's, it's gone. I mean, seeing the likes of Dakota Kai, Persia Parada, Malcolm Bivens, Harlan, all that we've recently seen on NXT programming. It definitely made me scratch my head big time. Especially with, well, one another one I forgot to mention, Dexter Loomis. Yeah. I mean, with the whole angle with Duke Hudson and Indy Hartwell being former relationship partners. So, is I'm kind of wonder how W or NXT creative is going to
1: play that one out. Yeah, they're going to be a little awkward. They kind of shot themselves in the foot and decimated their own story.
0: Yeah, I I mean I get it. They were the storyline really wasn't going anywhere, but now they just kind of clustered that one together. Dexter Loomis, a great talent. Many people who recognize him as Samuel Shaw from the Impact days. I feel he's got a lot still to accomplish in
1: his career. Yeah, I think on this round of releases, we're all just kind of scratching our heads for the most part. Yeah, Dakota Kai,
0: like mentioned earlier when we were talking about NXT, opportunities are endless for her. She's a great talent, and wherever she ends up is going to benefit picking her up. Persia Pirata. I hope the best for her. She was exposed on NXT enough with Indy Hartwell, but unfortunately they never captured the or did they? Were they tag team champions before?
1: I can't remember.
0: Yeah. Needless to say, I think Persia Pirata got a good future going for her. I just hope she continues to move on. Uh Malcolm Bivens, it that one was a little bit I'm kicking the nuts for Diamond Mine because I'm not saying that Roddy can't hold the mouthpiece because he's a good promo talker as well. I think Malcolm Bivens, though, was done just a little dirty being released. He was very good for the mic skills representing Diamond Mine. I think wherever he lands is going to also get a great talent on hand. With that being said, again, sending our well wishes to the recently released talent. I hope everything works out for you all in the best. Or in the future, I'm sorry. I'm kind of jumbling my words because I'm still a little bummed with that whole situation. But that is going to wrap up this week's edition of the Wrestling Fans Inside. I just want to take time to say thank you to Libsyn.com for allowing us to host our show on their platform to to get these weekly episodes out to you fun people. Also, I want to thank uh, Pixabee.com and GVid and Light Saturation and Coma Media for having their songs available on that site to allow us to donate money and download from. Appreciate everything you guys do there. Also want to say you can listen to our podcasts on most major platforms, Spotify, iHeartRadio, iOS, Apple, and most of the other major platforms. You can also interact with us, leaving us a voicemail with your feedback or questions or even insights on our voicemail. The number is 385-367-4772. You can also interact with me, John, at John, J-O-H-N-W-F, Insight, spelled I-N-C-I-T-E, as well as you're welcome to join us on our face group page, known as the Fans of Pro Wrestling, where we have quite the fan interaction going lately. And most importantly, thank you to each and every one of you who take the time to listen to us. There's thousands of other wrestling podcasts out there, but listening to us, we always appreciate you guys for tuning in. With that said, I'm John Hoppy,
1: my co-host, William. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening. Wishing everybody well. Have a lovely, lovely day.
0: All right. And we'll catch you all next week with our next episode. And hope that you tune in then.